Good morning, and welcome to Upward Vision. We're glad you've chosen to join us this morning. Upward Vision is a ministry of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, with locations in Bloomington and Bedford, Indiana. Now for today's message. Gail will tell you though, it'd be a really little disco because I'm not so good at that. So anyway, it's great to be up here and uh, humbling to stand before you this morning. Uh, This August, I entered my 20th year of service here at Sherwood Oaks as the uh, community and global outreach guy. This isn't a retirement announcement. I don't think, I don't know, Sean. (laughs) <laughs> okay, no, it's been, it's been such a deep joy for me to accompany so many of you into uh, service that blesses our community uh, on so many levels through CareFest and different projects we've done here and the focus that we have that we only meet here so we can go out there and make a difference in the world. It, the other part of my job is I get to visit people um, like Wallace and Mary. I get to walk through the Mithari slum. I get to see the children and I get to be in their schools. And uh, every time I wanna bring it all back here. <laughs> I wanna bring it back here and somehow dump it out on you so you can feel the, the depth of mission and ministry that's happening through our mission partners in places where nobody wants to go, (laughs) among lepers, among HIV kids, everywhere. And uh, it's such a blessing to be part of that. So thank you for um, keeping me here so long. (laughs) It's been great. So for our 30th wedding anniversary, which didn't happen, what, 15 years ago, I guess now, Uh, We decided we wanted to do an adventure, so we went down to Machu Picchu, which is down in Peru in South America. To get there, we flew into Lima and then into Cusco, which is at 13,000 feet. It's one of the highest airports in the world. And after we got over the shock of not being able to breathe for two or three days there, we got on a train and we headed on over to Machu Picchu through the Andes. It was beautiful. I'd recommend it to anyone who wants to do an an adventure. Um, On the way there, though, we met a guy in the train who was very conversant with us. We talked a lot about different things and he was on his way to work at Machu Picchu. He moves back and forth from Cusco every other week or so. And um, he asked a bunch of questions, asked me what my job was. And when I told him I was a pastor or actually priest in his terms, because he was Roman Catholic, um, before he could look down or look away, I said to him, but my job isn't, I'm not the guy who's up front talking to people all the time. My job in the church is to mobilize people outward to go out into the community and around the world to to be of assistance to people in need. 
And he said, tell me about that. So I told him about our mission partners in different places in Latin America and Africa and India and Asia. And then about our community efforts to engage with different community agencies around us. And he said, is, is there a church like yours in Cusco? And I said, uh, I don't know. He said, well, if there is, I would go to that church because I've always thought that that's what a church should be about. And uh, it was humbling, encouraging. We went on and did our thing. And on the way, uh, we were on our way home, getting ready to go. We're packing up our backpacks. And there was a knock at our door. We were staying in a convent, by the way. It was a nice place uh, that had been turned into a partial uh, uh, rooming house or place to stay. And this little, little nun was there at the door. And she said, there's someone in the lobby to see you. So we went down the long hallway, down the stairs, and into the lobby, and there was the guy from the train. And he had four friends with him. And he said, uh, hi, I brought my friends so you could tell them about your church, because I think they would like to go to a church like yours too. <laughs> so uh, I started talking, and I noticed that like, Mother Superior, or whatever her title was, was standing there kind of with her arms folded, looking at me like, what's going on here? And I thought, oh, did she not like the fact that we're talking about our church? But that wasn't it at all. I, as the more I talked and the more they talked back, this odor of really strong alcohol was like filling the, the, the convent <laughs> coming from our friends. And uh, so I thought, well, we'll see where this goes. And when one guy fell off the couch because he couldn't stay on it any longer, I thought, it's about time for us to end this conversation. And we said goodbye, and I felt like uh, Jesus must have felt when he had the party at Matthew's house, remember, for the sinners and tax collectors. <laughs> um, and uh, we went back home, and I actually got a couple of different emails from the guy still asking if there was any chance that there was a church like ours uh, there in Cusco. We've been studying the, new, the, the first generation church, in, or the first church, and it's been interesting to, to, to hear the radical statements and the things that we've covered. Uh, first week, of course, we looked at the mandate that we have where Jesus, before his ascension, he was ready to go and he said to his disciples, which ends up being us too, I'm gonna pass the torch to you guys. I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna, uh, you can do what I'm doing. You can do even more than I'm doing. Um, I want you to go, I want you to tell people about the way that I've taught, I want you to tell people in your home, in your communities, in your countries, and around the globe about my message, my teaching, and baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I'm not gonna leave you alone. You don't have to do this on your own, I'm gonna give you help. I'm gonna send my spirit to indwell you, to live in you, to change you, to make you like me. And he will help you do these things and more. Then he left, and sure enough, the Holy Spirit came. And through our radical study, we've looked at some of the results of that indwelling spirit. The first one was the special connection we now have with God, because we don't have to go to a high priest we don't have to go to a special place uh, that God's spirit lives in each one of us. The second was a sense of love and unity for other believers who share the same spirit. 
And I can tell you when I stand in those prayer circles in some other country under a mango tree and people are singing and praying in some other language that I don't understand, I know I'm part of them because my spirit is linked with theirs. That's what the community of believers is all about. That's what God wanted us to experience with each other. Doesn't matter what tribe we're from. <laughs> what matters is that we're all part of a kingdom tribe. And someday, and I look forward to this, language, culture, race, none of that will separate us because we'll all be around the throne with those brothers and sisters and we'll all be able to understand each other heart to heart. We also learn that as a community, we stick together to retell the story of Jesus and his love and grace through our actions as we go out from here, as we go out to serve, as we go out to share compassion and empathy with people, as we step into their worlds, we're taking the story of Jesus with us. We are that example of God's grace and God's love as we take the time and take the risk to step across those lines and enter in someone else's world to make a difference in their lives. He promised us that, and we see it happen. This week we're gonna look at radical generosity. We're gonna see how our generous father wants us to reflect his generosity in the way we live to people around us. Um, first, we're gonna take a look at the scripture pieces. The first piece we've looked at a couple times, but it's so foundational to who we are as a church. We're gonna look at it again, and then another piece too. I've asked Gail, who I love to hear read, and uh, she reads so much better than I do, if she would read those scriptures for us uh, while we look and ask God to speak to us as we listen. Acts 2, 43 through 47. Many miracles and wonders were being done through the apostles and everyone was filled with awe. All the believers continued together in close fellowship and shared their belongings with one another. They would sell their property and possessions and distribute the money among all according to what each one needed. Day after day they met as a group in the temple and they had their meals together in their homes, eating with glad and humble hearts, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. Acts 4, 32 to 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work with, with, in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Wow, that just sounds so idyllic to me, kind of like a utopia. And I ask myself, how is it that they were so generous? How is it that they were able to sell their possessions and bring it to the group so it could be distributed evenly? Um, my first thoughts have always been that because it's more of a communal environment there, the Eastern 
People are more communal in their ways. They're not so full of the fierce independence that we have as Americans, uh, each one kind of forging our own way in life. Um, and then I started reading and thinking and really I realized that you know, these people were all Jewish. The first believers were Jewish people. And the only way they knew to please God was to obey all of the rules that are in the Old Testament. And the list goes on and on. And then even to be heard by God, they had to go through a high priest and they had to bring a cute little lamb or if they were really serious, a bull or a dove. Um, something that was dear to them, they had to sacrifice it. They had to give it up so they could even come into God's presence to receive an audience and to receive forgiveness. And for them, the idea that they could know God directly, <laughs> that they didn't have to do any of that because Jesus did it for them, was, uh, I, I can't imagine it because I grew up with this thought, but the grace that God gave to them, the unmerited, unmerited favor that they were experiencing to approach God now freely, unburdening themselves from the law, had to have been um, life-changing for them. Now I believe that this radical generosity came from an awareness of the depth and the breadth of God's grace that he poured out on them on their behalf because of Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection. Paul even called this multiple times the gospel of grace, the idea that God poured out his unmerited favor on us is what linked people to him. They realize that God owns everything and God freely gives his children all that they need. He gives us love. He gives us hope. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us new lives and new relationships. So, we love because God loved us first. But we also give because God so loved the world that he gave. The quick theology of generosity would say that generosity is a primary characteristic of God, a primary characteristic of godliness, and as we become more like him, we should become more generous. God gave us creation first, and it was the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> creation just keeps on giving. It gives us oxygen we breathe, it gives us food, it gives us shelter. Um, during COVID, Gail and I sat out on our deck more than ever, and for the first time since we've been living where we live, I've, well, actually, we watched the seasons unfold. We watched the buds come in the trees, we watched the leaves form. I'm an amateur photographer, so I like to go out and take photos, and all of the wildflowers in the spring are awesome. But then I've noticed that through these seasons, all the way to the first frost, there's always different color in the woods. There are always flowers. There are flowers everywhere. And then I started picking berries and, and brought home, I don't know, we had two or three cobblers from blackberries that are just out there in the woods. We look for morels, but I've learned too that there's something called pheasant back, something called sh chanterelles, 
chicken of the woods. There are fungus growing in the woods all year long that we can enjoy if we know which ones are poisonous and which ones aren't. <laughs> That's a key. Uh, my uh, son is uh, a professor and he teaches sustainability and creation care. And um, he, uh, actually some of his courses are about hunting and fishing and foraging and uh, finding food to eat in, around us. And going with his, his daughters, my granddaughters, through the woods is like going through a supermarket. <laughs> They're always saying, they call me Poppy. They're always saying, here, try this, Poppy. Here, try this one, Poppy. You know, it tastes like, and they know. And I'm going, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, they have spring salads made out of uh, stuff they found in the forest. Again, we hope it's not poisonous. But um, so creation keeps on giving. That was God's idea. And we can benefit from that. One of my favorite authors, Tim Keller, um, says that our generosity is a direct reflection of our understanding of God's grace for us. Um, he also wrote, or this was from a podcast, sorry. Um, to the degree that you understand the gospel of grace, you will lead a radically generous life. On the contrary, to then grab what we can and claim it as our own is like cosmic treason. God gave us everything. He gave us life, creation, mercy, grace, and even eternal life through Jesus, who he also gave freely, and Jesus also gave himself freely for us. Tim Keller also write, wrote, if you truly understand your spiritual inheritance, you will be promiscuously generous with your earthly inheritance. You won't jealously guard or hold on or hold back with anything. We can trust him as we share what we have with others. Uh, he's a generous God who wants us to be generous with our possessions, with our finances, with our time, with our talent, with our relationship. It doesn't really matter how much you have. It matters what you do with what you have. And of course, we read in the scriptures that those who he's given much to are expected, uh, he expects much from. That makes me a little nervous. So at Sherwood Oaks, we have two, two of our core values are we think like everyday missionaries and we live like God owns everything. Um, those two intersect very nicely around biblical generosity uh, and also provide a stage for us to, to, to view justice, kind of lens to see biblical justice and radical generosity. Justice being caring for the oppressed, according to the Bible, Orphans, widows, immigrants, and the poor. And radical generosity is how we respond to those needs with our willingness to release what we have to him. So this morning we're gonna celebrate because we have been generous. And um, through the Acts 245 fund, uh, it's been like the five loaves and two fishes that the little guy offered to Jesus and all of a sudden 5,000 people are being fed. Um, as we release our gifts to God, they explode into goodness. And we're gonna see that this morning. Uh, the Acts 245 fund 
that we opened as an opportunity for you to give for COVID uh, relief efforts locally and around the world has to date raised over $200,000 and been distributed to 22 community agencies, 14 global missions, and 30 individuals who, whose lives were impacted severely by um, COVID-19. Now and then I like to look at uh, prospectus, not too often, but now and then I'll open for a mutual fund or something and look, and you see these long lists of companies that I'm, uh, I'm contributing to in one way or another. And um, right now, behind me, there'll be a scrolling list of our Acts 245 uh, prospectus. <laughs> it's those places where we've made investments in our community and globally. Uh, we've donated in primarily four different ways, and I want to highlight each one of those. There should be some photos to support that on the screen, but um, the first is with food. And you heard Marion Wallace talking about the benefits of being able to give food to people, that they're open to listening because it's a sense of, you know, it's a tangible way to say, I'm being given something I didn't ask for, but that I really need. Um, food was delivered through 22 different communities. I kept getting photos and still photos of people sitting around on floors packing bags of lentils, bags of rice and beans and cooking oil and sugar and salt that was to be delivered in packets that would last a week or even up to a month in Honduras uh, for families. Uh, and our resources went to help in that way. Um, City Church opened something they called Food Train very early in the COVID uh, close-ups here. And they went around to different spots around town and provided food. It was before MCCSC had even started providing food for kids. And we appreciated what they were doing. And so I took a check of, of $5,000 and I gave it to the director. And uh, he took it cordially, didn't look at it, said thank you. We had a little conversation. Then he looked at it. And um, he, imme <laughs> he immediately broke down and started crying. And he said to me, uh, you don't know how much this means to us. He says, God's called us to this work, but it's not easy. It's so hard. We get worn out, we get worn down. And your support, your prayers, and this financial gift means more than you'd ever know. Well, I wanted to hug the guy, but <clears throat> I couldn't because, you know, COVID. <laughs> Last week, I got a call from their lead pastor saying, hey, would you come over? I've got something for you. And he gave me this, this plaque that said, thank you, Sherwood Oaks, for your partnership with us in this venture. And I thought, I'm so glad we're not competitors. I'm so glad we're part of the kingdom and that we can work together to make a difference in our community for God's sake. We're part of the kingdom tribe, <laughs> all of us together, and praise God for that. <clears throat> we've also helped with um, housing assistance, and this one's really special to me too. Uh, we've, uh, we've helped pay mortgages and rent for, through Habitat for Humanity here in town. Also, Centro Comunal Latino is helping a lot of the people who prepare our meals in those restaurants that have been closed. 
they weren't making any money either, and a lot of them have homes here, and uh, so that group is helping the Latinos around us with uh, small amounts to help them pay their bills. Uh, we've built sanitary facilities for Wheeler Mission. Uh, we helped also with the community isolation sh shelter. Uh, we provided a special gift of a GPS air cleaning system at the uh, uh, Christian Student Fellowship House so they can have clean air. And uh, a real special one to me is Asian Children's Mission, which is in Myanmar, which used to be Burma, uh, purchased land to relocate 20 families. Uh, refugees are fleeing from a civil war, but they're slamming right into large population centers with a lot of COVID. So our partners there said, let's find some land, let's find some bamboo and th some thatch in a few outhouses and relocate this group. And so they've rebuilt a whole community and we've watched them step by step. Uh, kids carrying thatch, palm leaves to make roofs and uh, it's pretty ingenious. If we had bamboo around here, I'd want one of those for myself for the summertime, you know. <laughs> but uh, so cool. And again, we did that earlier for 150 families and I uh, got to walk through that village and hear the chickens and the dogs and the people singing to us, thank you. And, and pray for an older man who was about to die. And I just thought, wow, we have had the opportunity, here I go again, sorry, <laughs> to give life, to give life to 150 families with kids and in Jesus' name. And one of the first things they built was a worship center where they could say thank you, not to us, to God. Awesome. At that same time, they were providing four tons of rice for these people, and also the orphan kids at Hope Children's Center, same group, made over 7,000 masks and distributed them then to around to different villages that didn't, Buddhist villages in Jesus' name. Awesome stuff. Um, in education, we helped Boys and Girls Club uh, with their education pods over in Ellisville and here. And also North India Christian Mission, as you heard, or you will hear Simi say, we kept their schools open, we provided money for their staff to be able to continue to educate kids, which meant that they kept their mission open and many people are being reached through it. Same happened in Guatemala and in Haiti uh, as we helped teachers stay employed to reach out to kids. And lastly, we helped a lot with medical supplies. One big deal was one of our partners is in China. And as we ran out of masks here, he arranged for a shipment of masks to be sent to us. So we had 2,000 masks here to distribute to IU Health's NICU Center. Uh, we had masks to give to some uh, private physicians here and, uh, and also some of the assisted living places that needed them from one of our partners out there. Um, also, we helped with masks and shields through FAME, which is another organization that offers medical assistance around the world, and, and another one called IDES, which helps with emergency relief. So, um, your generosity has touched the lives of children, of adults, of families, of the homeless, the jobless, the hopeless, orphans, refugees, medical staff, professionals, homes for the elderly and caregivers around the world. To your giving, you've retold the story of Jesus and God's great love and grace 
for thousands, literally thousands. Your contributions have literally reached around the globe and blessed those who are in desperate need of physical resources and also hope for their souls. It's all been wrapped in the gospel of grace. This isn't really about our church's generosity as Sherwood Oaks as an institution. It's more about your generosity as individuals. None of this money came from the church budget. So you need to know that we have capacity, you and I, to touch and change lives around the world just by releasing a little bit of the resource that we have. God will do that for us. So let's commit together to radical generosity with all of our resources, with our time, with our talent, our possessions, our finances, our homes, our influence, our encouragement, our friendship, our forgiveness and our mercy that we extend to others and the grace that God pours out on us. Because God has loved us, we can love others, but because God has been radically generous to us, uh, we can be radically generous too. Uh, join me and let your heart be filled as you hear the thank yous of some of the people we have interviewed over these last several months uh, from the uh, Acts 245 Fund. This has been Upward Vision, a ministry of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. With locations on the east and west sides of Bloomington and in Bedford, Sherwood Oaks has a worship service to meet your needs. To receive a free copy of today's message or for more information about any of our locations and service times, go to socc.org messages. Thanks for joining us. Continue to look to God this week as you maintain the upward vision.